When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Delighted to welcome the Culture Secretary, Oliver Dowden, to the show right now. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Obviously, we have lots to talk about in terms of your particular uh, field of, uh, of responsibility in terms of culture and sport. But obviously, the big concern for everyone this morning is the announcement we're expecting from the Prime Minister later today about the nation being split up into three tiers, medium risk, high risk and very high risk. And I've gone through what these would all mean for people, what we understand they are likely to mean. We'll get the details later. Um, can you tell me what scientific evidence there is, though, for a lot of these measures, specifically uh, bans on for instance, uh, pubs and bars being open and the 10pm curfew, because we've yet to see any real world evidence that these are going to save lives. But we know they'll cost jobs and businesses. Yes, well, in respect of hospitality, there are a number of risks associated with it. First of all, hospitality involves meeting people that uh, you don't normally meet. And we know that the virus uh, thrives in that kind of social interactions. That's that's risk number one with it. The second risk is that you can't apply uh, many of the mitigations that you can do usually. For example, clearly you can't wear a face mask when you're eating and drinking. And then thirdly, there is the risk associated with ventilation. Uh, often these hospital venues are not very well ventilated, particularly as we approach winter and people are not going to be eating outside. So all of those point to a, a higher level of risk, which is why they, they feature in the measures that we're taking. But Julia, to your point, I completely appreciate and know the economic consequences of doing this. These are very difficult decisions, but ultimately, if we don't take these actions now to control the virus, we'll have to take further and more draconian measures further down the line. So it's basically a threat to the British people, that isn't it? Joe Anderson, the Liverpool mayor, said that you know, this is a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Um, we, we know, don't we, from the test and trace, the actual real world evidence that uh, there are barely any cases which can be directly attributed to people being in pubs and restaurants. And if it's an issue of, say, ventilation, well, you know, close down the pubs and restaurants that don't have good ventilation, let the rest carry on. Wouldn't that be the solution? Well, well, first of all, uh, to be clear, this is this is not a threat to the, the British people at all. It is uh, a, a reasonable and proportionate uh, set of measures, and you'll see them from the, the Prime Minister, that balances 
these competing challenges, which is number one, we have to keep this virus under control. And the reason why we have to keep this virus under control is if we let it get out of control, not only will it have um, terrible public health uh, effects, it will also uh, have direct health implications. For example, you saw what happened when the NHS uh, had that strain from COVID patients cancelling elective operations and, and so on. So I, I think that it, these are sensible measures now in order to prevent uh, greater difficulty further down the line. We can see the way that this virus is going. It is rising rapidly, particularly in parts of the north. So it's sensible to take these measures now to, to get it under control. But at the same time, we are enabling economic activity to continue to happen, including indeed in the, the hospitality sector. And you'll see that from the Prime Minister's okay. announcement um, this afternoon. Uh, we had a back in September a prediction from Sir Patrick Vallance. Well, no, he said it very specifically it wasn't a prediction. He said it was an example scenario. But he chose the example scenario of 49,000 cases every day by 13th of October, uh, leading inevitably to 200 deaths a day by mid-November. Uh, it's the 12th of October today. We're on roughly 13,000 cases. We've nowhere near the exponential growth that was predicted and therefore very, very unlikely, unless things change drastically, to be seeing that sort of death numbers. When you talk about a reasonable and proportionate set of measures, um, there's an awful lot of evidence that these, these measures don't fulfil either of those criteria, do they? They're actually, they are, they go far further than most people would regard as, well, most sensible people would regard as, as reasonable and proportionate, given the number of deaths and the age of the people who are at risk of dying. Well, there's a number of points, as you know. I think in respect of uh, what Patrick Vallance was talking about, he was highlighting the risks if we don't take measures uh, to get this under control. It is undoubtedly the case that the virus is rising. I don't think anyone could it's dispute rising, that. And, yes. and, and in parts of uh, the the, the north-west uh, of, of England and places like Liverpool, we're getting to very high levels. And that is in turn translating through to... Uh, hospital admissions. And we know that sadly that will translate through to deaths. Now, because of measures that uh, we've already taken, for example, we've had improvements in treatment, we should see lower mortality levels. But but nonetheless, we will still see uh, rising deaths. I know the, the, the huge economic consequences of the measures that we're taking. I desperately do not want us to be taking these measures because I'm acutely aware of both the economic damage and indeed the wider public health damage, mental health and so on, of taking it. But we have to ensure that we keep this virus under control. It is in a situation where it is rising very rapidly, doubling um, over a period of a week to two weeks in, in many areas. That is not sustainable if you do the maths of how quickly that would spread. And in turn, that will go through to hospital admissions and deaths. If we take these reasonable and proportionate measures now, we can, can keep it under control so that we can continue to balance the economic needs of, of, of the nation whilst keeping the virus but, under control. Of course, we also know the huge, the huge, huge, huge costs uh, to uh, to jobs, to businesses and the long term costs uh, to other health care issues uh, and indeed uh, to, to people's health long term from an economy that's completely trashed. Now, I know you're, you're talking this morning about a, uh, a large sum of money to help save uh, many of the, the theatres, the art venues, the museums, the cultural organisations across England that are desperately in need of help, a £257 million bailout fund that's it's going to be released as of today, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. So uh, if you, you recall, um, a little while back, we announced that £1.5 billion of support for our arts, heritage, culture and creative industries. These are what make us 
as a nation. It generates a huge amount of jobs and growth in normal times. So we said we'll help you through this difficult period of COVID. So we're announcing £250 million today, and that will go across the whole country from Beamish through to the Birmingham Royal Ballet through to the Bristol Old Vic, where I was last Thursday. That is both helping to preserve 1,300 institutions up and down the country. So they're there for future generations. But also in doing so, we'll help um, sustain jobs in the industry as well. Okay, and hopefully um, get Pantos back up and running. I think last time you were on, we were talking about saving Panto. Is that, is that, do you think we're going to be able to do that this year? Well, look, it's a very challenging backdrop, as we've just been uh, discussing. But I've always taken the, uh, the approach of um, prepare for the, the worst, but also put in plans for the best. So, for example, that is why uh, working with uh, Camelot and others, we've already uh, got an agreement whereby Camelot will pay for some of the sort of spare tickets that will be for the seats left when you have social distancing in Panto. So provided we keep the virus under control and we can have social distance performances uh, later this year, some Pantos will be able to go ahead through that. And it's an example of the innovative thinking that we're seeing across um, sport and uh, and the art. Just finally, I must ask you about the Premier League. Let's talk about power grab by Man United and Liverpool, but money that could end up getting £250 million down to the lower leagues. What do you make of the plan to cut the Premier League down to size to just 18 teams and uh, and change the way the funding goes to local, to, to local clubs? Well, I really don't think this is the time for having sort of fundamental changes to, to football and these kind of a backroom deals. The the challenge here is clear, which is that EFL needs support to uh, keep it going. Now, I know that Premier League and EFL have been working together to ensure that no club will go under, but nonetheless, they do need to work together to have a comprehensive deal to support sport through this difficult period. Rather than the EFL working with others to come up with uh, this this different plan, or indeed the Premier League not probably coming to the, the table when they've um, had spent a billion pounds during the transfer window, that is more than the next four wealthiest uh, leagues in Europe put together. I think they need to be coming together to solve this problem. And I must say, this is beginning to highlight to me the, the need to take action in relation to the governments of football if they don't get their act together. And we uh, we promised in our manifesto that we would look at a fan-led review. I think uh, unless they imminently sort themselves out, we're going to have to embark on, on that path. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Boris Johnson's statement later on today, uh, press announcement at six o'clock in the evening for us all to watch on the TV about these new three tiers of local lockdowns. Now, it's expected that Liverpool may be the first city uh, to enter the tier three uh, restrictions, uh, which for all intents and purposes, other than going to work and school, is a full lockdown. Well, the mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson, uh, joins me right now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, there's a lot of confusion here. Is it, is Liverpool? We know there's been a lot of you know negotiation going on in between Number Ten and the various leaders of the great cities of the north um, of this country, um, having trying to debate what measures should be appropriate and should be brought in. But um, will Liverpool accept these measures? Because the mayor of Liverpool City Region, Steve Rotherham, has said that he he you know he has made it clear that, that he does not want to have this uh, these sort of uh, tier three measures, and uh, and that he says that they, you've asked he's asked for evidence and it's not been forthcoming. But the implication is that you, as the mayor of Liverpool City, that you do want these measures. Which way round is it? <laughs> well, Steve and myself, uh, Steve Rodham and myself and the other leaders of the city region were in discussions with the government all over the weekend, Friday, Saturday and yesterday. And we've agreed a number of things. But, you know, one of the things that, that we've made loud and clear is that we want uh, support for our businesses here and uh, the impact on them. And and also, you know, we, we have asked for the evidence uh, of why they have a blanket approach. Let me be absolutely clear. I resisted and refused to accept the closure of uh, restaurants. Uh, I said a lot of them have been made COVID safe. A lot of businesses have spent money uh, making themselves COVID safe. And I thought it was madness to actually close restaurants uh, completely, totally. Um, And equally similar to some pubs, the government just refused to entertain that idea at all and had made up their mind that this was going to happen. So, you know, when Steve talks about not accepting it. We don't accept the, the, their arguments. We don't accept that in, in the way they are pro- approaching this, a blanket mm. approach that's the right thing but to you, do. But you however, would be willing however, to accept just, pubs closure, closure? Well, we've got no choice, have we? That's the point I was just going to make. We've got no choice. You know, the governments are the governments, and if they legislate, which they are going to do, put the orders before Parliament today, uh, dis- debate and discuss them. My, my uh, argument to, well, my point to all the North West MPs is, is to uh, challenge and, and, and resist and demand, um, you know, a proper full 
compensation package of furlough to all businesses affected. If we're not able to stop this, and this is my point that I, I as mayor of Liverpool or uh, Steve Rotherham or the other leaders across Liverpool City region, we can't stop the government enacting parliament, parliamentary measures that, that put our city uh, in, you know, probably 75% lockdown. And that's a fact. It, it simply is that. So what we've tried to do, what I've done, is, is put forward proposals to help us deal better with track and trace. And that's what, what we're doing. They're working with the army army personnel, back office army personnel that are in the city this morning as we speak, arriving in the city to work with us, our public health officials, to do a better track and trace system, to try and target measures of bringing the, the virus down. We ask for more resources to do that. We've been granted more resources to do that. We asked for... Uh, more powers, enforcement powers. We're being given those uh, enforcement powers. But unfortunately, in relation to the furlough scheme, asking for a fuller compensation like the national one we had in March, that was rejected. And also the blanket approach to closing restaurants and bars was rejected. And as I said, there's very little we can do about are, it, are but you, we argued the case. Are you planning to join with the Greater Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham, and his nighttime economy advisor, Sasha Lord? We're going to speak to you later in the show. You started legal proceedings challenging Which, the government, basically arguing they, they haven't got the scientific evidence to do this and they can't uh, impose emergency legislation without scientific backing. Absolutely, we will. And, and we'll be talking, I'll be talking to businesses later on today in in Liverpool to look at exactly what they can do. Look, this is going to be a devastating blow to uh, the economy here, the hospitality economy. I spoke yesterday uh, and said that, you know, it potentially uh, can damage us in the same way the ACs damaged us. If we're you know, many of these businesses are absolutely now struggling. We've lost 206 businesses in the hospitality sector in the last four months because of COVID. And many more of them are going to go to the wall and not retain. And that is going to damage the local economy. And it's going to also damage the national economy. So it's absolutely vital that it's challenged and and, and we look at it again because it's a, a, just a sledgehammer. Uh, really to crack a nut. Can I ask you, why do you believe that the cases are still going up in Liverpool? What's your best explanation and what do you think the it, solution should be? It's not, a, it's not a best explanation. It's a fact. If you look at, 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 you know, we returned to work, everybody returned to work after the summer. Schools went back in September. Universities have, have opened again and students, 20,000 students returned into the city. Schools, as I said, have opened and, and that community mix that means that, that, you know, living cheek by jowl, 70-odd percent of our houses are terraced houses, where we've got a population of 500,000 people. It means that the human contact uh, widens and, and gets more, and therefore the virus which spreads on human contact is able to increase. It's not, it's not you know, rocket science or, or, or something that should shock us. If you take the students out of it uh, and you take, you know, the, the fact that we expected a, a, a rise, a, a spike in numbers because of schools, if you take those figures out, it's probably, you know, nowhere near as bad as, as, as it, 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 you know, it looks. However, it is a real concern and worry, and we all agree that we've got to try to bring the numbers down because I'm concerned about the hospitals here in Liverpool being overwhelmed. Why, why so would they have... be overwhelmed? They weren't overwhelmed back in March and April when we reached the peak. Why would they be overwhelmed now? 
Because we're heading to a winter, uh, a winter period where we know that that people are going to pick up uh, other uh, viruses. We've flus. got the Nightingale hospitals; they can go in back Manchester. In Manchester, they've got the the, the the Nightingale Hospital. In Liverpool, we've got the wards that we've set aside for COVID are two thirds full. We've got three thousand people in Liverpool infected at the moment, mm-hmm. and that's going up by seven hundred a week. So, if you're telling me to calm down and not worry about that. Well, I'm sorry, I won't because not I saying am not, worried about Not it. saying calm down, not worry about that, but but it's <laughs> a, it's about proportionate response, isn't it? I mean, no one is no one sensible is saying, ah, don't worry about it. Oh, a few people today. No one sane and sensible is saying that. It's about a rational, proportionate response yeah, and that, to the that, threat. That's a- and that's exactly what we're calling for. And that's why, you know, a blanket approach, closing restaurants down, which restaurants are probably the safest, you know, venues uh, around. We're, we're closing okay. gyms down when you can't go to a gym unless you're ready to, you know, go in the gym. And then as you come out and the safe distances within gyms, and then as you come out, the equipment's cleared. We're closing them down. It just seems to me that this is more about Boris Johnson being able to show that that he's reacting and how macho the government is, rather than a common sense approach to, to this, because you know some of those businesses are operating in a safe way. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Well, let's talk about the full repercussions of doing an interview, because who knows what's going to happen at the end of this interview if my interviewee decides to say something that someone listening to it, maybe not even someone listening to it, maybe someone just hears something they don't like, and they decide to call the police. Will I be facing an investigation uh, for possibly uh, inspiring, I don't know, inciting racial hatred or, or some other hate crime? Well, that's what happened to my next guest, Darren Grimes. You'll know him, of course, as a 27-year-old who led uh, Believe, that one of the campaigns... Uh, for vote leave. He's faced years and years of police questioning and investigations, electoral commission and others uh, for alleged wrongdoing involving uh, money for that uh, campaign. Exonerated on every single ground. And yet uh, the other day he faces an email and a call from the police saying they want to interview him over something someone else said in an interview that he broadcast. Darren Grimes from Reasons UK. I'm delighted to welcome you to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Julia. Um, Thank you for having me on. I have, I have to say, I mean, it, it is so bizarre that I, I am in the 21st century in, in Britain, not in China or Russia, um, uh, ha- having a conversation or in, or in, or in you know, Orwellian 1984, having a conversation with a, a young man who has started his own YouTube channel, Reasoned UK. You've done an interview with, well, interviews with lots of different prominent people, including, as we all remember back in the summer, with the historian David Stark, in which he said some pretty unpleasant things. Now, you were criticised uh, about black people. You were criticised um, for not standing up to him and for nodding along when you you were interviewing him. Um, you are that there was a pretty nasty outcry there. Um, David Starkey lost pretty much all of his positions, his fellowships, his, his all his other work, and, and has basically sort of been you know ex, you know exiled from polite society. Um, you now have faced uh, a police investigation over that interview. Tell us what happened. Yeah, so the police contacted us last week, Julia, and asked if I'd come to be interviewed at a police station under caution and threatened with an arrest if I refuse. Now, the Public Order Act, Julia, which criminalises the stirring up of racial hatred, it was an act passed by Margaret Thatcher in 1986, and it carries with it a seven-year maximum sentence. That's what I'm accused of. Now, that act, Julia, is pretend, uh, is intended to preserve public 
order. It's not actually there to regulate speech and debate. This is an unprecedented use of that legislation. And I really do think it should concern anyone who believes in freedom of the press, even if as an organization as big as talk radio to one as small as my YouTube channel. And at a time, Julia, when many in our country are facing uncertainty and financial hardship, you know, you've been talking about that all morning. I can't imagine a more contemptible way for the Metropolitan Police to abuse taxpayer cash by investigating a vexatious claim like this, that I've stirred up racial hatred. Well, exactly. It's, it's, it's not even the words that you said. It, it's mm-hmm. the idea that you you enabled those words to be broadcast because you interviewed someone and you didn't know what he was going to say. And you and I have discussed it since um, that actually you, you, you weren't really. And, and I, I've been there and I certainly, you know, I'm 52 and you're 27. You're interviewing someone who is a, a very, he's a very big ego. He's a he's a very big character. Uh, he has been very highly esteemed for many years. And, and you know, you, you, you were just sort of not along basically you ask a question he speaks you're concentrating on the next question uh, and not really and checking that the volume levels are okay and it's all the cameras are working and not really functioning not really listening to every single word intently and, and anyone who's not done this job won't really understand that there's a lot more going on you've got you know in my, in my case I've got people talking my ears sometimes when I'm interviewing as well you might miss something but even if you had heard every single word and you and, and you completely concurred with every word that he said and he said some he said I mean he made this comment slavery was not genocide otherwise there wouldn't be so many damn blacks in Africa or in Britain would there um not I mean not a pleasant thing I mean the very very Mm -hmm. least not a pleasant thing to say um lots of other things he has said over the years would suggest that his attitude towards people of color is is not what I think most people consider to be acceptable in the 21st century um but you didn't say it so why are they questioning you for something someone else said. How are you responsible for how someone answers a question? Well, yes. So Dr. Starkey is obviously one of our country's most eminent historians before he was airbrushed from history altogether. He's being cancelled from every post that he ever had. And he's unreservedly apologised as well. But you're absolutely right that this is police action over an interview with the threat of arrest and imprisonment. And this must, Julia, have serious repercussions for freedom of expression and, in my view, is simply unjustifiable. And look no further than the fact that everyone from a communist like Ash Sarker to a Liberal Democrat like Tim Farron are taking issue with this decision to investigate me for the offence of stirring up racial hatred under the Public Order Act. This is an unprecedented use, as I say, of that act. And they're not alone in that view, Julia. The former Director of Public Prosecutions, Lord MacDonald, told the Times yesterday that he believed that the actions of the police here are, and I quote, sinister and foolish and deeply threatening of free speech. And Julia, in a free and democratic society, it's absolutely paramount that journalists and broadcasters, no matter if it's one as big and popular as talk radio or as small 
and YouTube based as Reasoned UK are permitted to interview a wide range exactly. of people, including those likely to make well, controversial remarks like I Dr. Wonder, Starkey. Exactly. I wonder when Louis Theroux was interviewing neo Nazis and he and he one of his, his interview techniques, the reason why people speak so freely to him, is because he sort of just nods along. He doesn't challenge them in a sort of yeah, it's outrageous, you shouldn't say that. He just says he just wants to hear what they have to say to understand where they're coming from. Um I mean the Sky News recently interviewed the rapper Wiley, knowing he mm-hmm. was going to say anti Semitic things and he did and they published it I don't recall the police turning up on their doorsteps. Um, The Home Secretary Priti Patel yesterday tweeted, decisions of the police to investigate particular cases are clearly an operational matter but as a general principle it's important the the law protects freedom of speech Um, but the thing is this isn't just an operational matter is it? This is, I mean your concern is this is actually a vendetta Uh, it's a vendetta from left wingers vendetta from uh, Remainers who still haven't forgiven you for any role that you had uh, in that vote leave uh, and, and leave victory um you're a young man uh, you know you're I, i've been at the end i've been at the, you know, the wrong end of twitter campaigns and abuse and lies about me and it's pretty hard to take and i'm you know i'm i'm a, I'm a haggard old old hack and, and i've you know got got my husband and daughter got that support um you're a young man starting out in your career you've had this since the age of 23 you're now 27 now on your own um, you know, you, you, say, you always say, you know, you're working class lad from a council estate, in, you know, in, in the north. And, and how, how do you cope with the vitriol and, and the nonstop campaigns against you? Well, look, I, so you're absolutely right. The last four years of my life have now been nonstop litigation. And I, I, I thought I would have a, a bit more of a quieter time now. But my concern isn't really about me, Julia. Look, I'm ugly, big and ugly enough to to handle these these vexatious claims and and to be able to to fight them. Um, but my problem, Julia, is actually for the repercussions on you know smaller podcasters or or those seeking to do interviews who don't have a public platform that like I do, who aren't able to reach out to Toby Young and the Free Speech Union that I'd be absolutely lost without right now. And my real and genuine concern are the repercussions on those sorts of people. You know, Ian Dale yesterday, Saturday rather, published a piece for the website Reasoned in which he said, you know, will the next generation of political commentators, will there even be a next generation of of the sort of Darren Grimes commentators who say culturally conservative things and and have culturally conservative views because they'll genuinely fear cancellation or litigation. And the problem is, Julia, that we we find ourselves in the absolutely bizarre situation where politics is now fought through either vexatious, vexatious claims through the police, through our court system, Gina Miller and all the rest of it. And politics isn't fought through free speech and democratic means anymore. People make vexatious claims against people. They're serious litigators now. And actually, yeah. I think we need to have a conversation. Absolutely. And I know what the likes of Ben this, Bradley is. Yeah, well, no, we'll, have to, we'll have to leave it there. I mean, he's been very good on, on this. But again, this is about shutting down debate rather than actually having the debate and, and winning the argument. You just simply shut down what anyone else says. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. 
flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.